0: thing you know we're in the business of going fast and so are the teams and um you know they push it to the absolute limits and sometimes over it and that's that's what happens
1: and the full credit to shane he just just merged into the into the family as if he'd been there all along i was embarrassed for that race to restart in tasmania dumps like that that just isn't acceptable from the racetracks across
2: australia out here's inside supercars
3: Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Revelle. have post Sandown Five Hundred, an amazing race, an amazing result, Craig.
4: Yes, and as we spoke about last week, it certainly set the cat amongst the pigeons among many teams who, uh, well, thought they were a chance at the Pertec Enduro Cup and now the Grim realization is really starting to set in and i thought uh, stoney and auto action captured that feeling perfectly with the big red bull bulldozer going over the top of the uh, dick johnson racing car there and uh, and uh, obviously the caption was uh, very well taken with triple uh, eight race engineering bulldozing the competition at sandown uh, because that's exactly what it was. They were a class amongst uh, themselves. And uh, I know we went into it last week, so we don't need to recap the entire uh, conversation again. But it was a very interesting one. And and you spoke to Mark Dutton this week about it. And uh, the audio quality is a bit sketchy, but we'll have that at the very end of the show.
3: OK, well, before then... We're going to be hearing from a conversation you had with Manuel Sanchez, who, of course, is James Golding's engineer. Fascinating uh, motorsport life around the world. Um, so that's uh, an interesting one to start up with. After that, we'll hear from the Kastecki brothers. Not one, but two. And three Kosteckis, two brothers, one cousin. And Brody, who is the middle uh, of the three in age, he had uh, his first poll, his first win, and his first round win. Uh, fantastic for the team. Jeff Slater have, have uh, made a big impact on the KBR team, and that's a terrific chat we have with them. Uh, there are a lot of things being discussed over the weekend, such as news of possibility of Triple Eight going back to being a two-car team with a wreck being out in the market, uh, possibility that the uh, Simona Di Silvestro-Harvey Norman deal with Roland Dane had fallen over. Um, We uh, found out information about the transaxle developments with uh, supercars uh, testing, and in fact, it was in Macaulay Jones uh, Dunlop Super 2 car. They were running the extract transaxle. Interesting to talk to a number of team managers, Craig, who certainly have voiced the opinion that uh, something needed to be done because the prices of, uh, price of maintaining the Albans transaxle just keeps on growing as it's not diminishing um, that uh, this is why they're looking at changing not because of a fundamental flaw in it the transaxle of course was made for cross-country dune buggies style not sideways high load uh, things
4: but that was interesting to see the uh, transaxle development you actually spotted it uh, I understand Greg. I had a look at it uh, up close in the back of the uh, Jones car funnily enough when they saw me doing that, they uh, got the wheels back on it quite quickly. So I only uh, was able to see, uh, you know, they they look uh, they look obviously externally different because the castings are coming out of completely different moulds. Uh, but internally, that is where the teams are, are looking for a unit that doesn't have to be replaced after every single event. They want to try and get two or three events out of. A, a transaxle before they have to rebuild it and i guess that's something that's not been widely reported that uh whilst the independent rear end which was a, a significant feature of the new car design has come with uh the first year a number of failures from um, some design issues that needed to be rectified and and all credit to our, Alvins, they went out and they made those corrections and and got the uh, got the units working. You know, very very rarely. I think uh, Cam Waters earlier this year or was it late last year had a, a transaxle issue, but it, it's been a long time. It's been since probably the first year of Car of the Future that we really have seen any transaxle issues uh, in supercars. Um, however. Yep, it is um, quite expensive to rebuild them every single time, and that is one of the things that they're hoping from the X Track. Which X Track ha- have got a, a fine pedigree: Formula One, WRC, British Touring Cars. Um, I think they even supply to IndyCar. Um, so you yep. know they've got a great pedigree around the world in motorsport, and um, most of those uh, series that I spoke of have got rules in place around. Uh, Uh, cost minimisation, which uh, would bode well for the teams who are are looking for something that's a bit more robust and uh, a lot cheaper to maintain.
3: Indeed, and we understand that uh, news will be forthcoming to the teams and team owners at uh, the Gold Coast 600 on the developments in the uh, transaxle area. Mm. All right, well... uh, after that look at the recent
4: news... Well, we also, of course, we should... we should mention that Bathurst, this year on Foxtel, is going to be broadcast in ultra-high definition. Now, it's the race, it's not the entire weekend, but for those who have invested in ultra-high definition uh, televisions and have got the set-top box, uh, they could be enjoying a, a very, very uh, brilliant uh, viewing of Bathus this year i don't know how far across you are the, the ultra high definition tony but uh, it, many people say that it is as as good as being there if not even better
3: uh, my eyes are no longer monochrome they do actually see in color nowadays but the idea of ultra high definition uh, well i suppose it's a degree of my interest level is that uh, i don't have fox and get on quite well without it but I'm sure for those who seek and want that uh, it'll add something again to their bathurst coverage uh, and their enjoyment of this uh, great race.
4: Mm.
3: It also so goes well because break, we'll it return... indicates.
4: It also goes well because it indicates Foxtel's ongoing commitment to improving uh, their transmission of the supercar broadcast, and I think that shouldn't be overlooked.
2: First up, we'll have Manuel Sanchez. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race
4: is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task.
0: We uh, were able to beat the 2 to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to, to um, take the win off in.
1: So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapsodden family.
2: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.
4: Manuel Sanchez from Gary Rogers Motorsport. It's a pleasure to catch up with you. Halfway around the world, almost exactly, to be part of Supercars. It's, It's quite a journey.
0: Yeah, it has. Yeah, has been. Um, well, I've been here for six years now. Uh yeah, it's my sixth full season. I'm just loving it. So, yeah, don't plan to go anywhere. <laughs>
4: what first sparked your interest in
0: motor racing? Um, just sort of the engineering side of it, like, um, and sort of the quick turnaround, like, just all the innovation that goes on in motorsport. Um, where you just constantly, uh, like bit opposite to the automotive world where you just for the road cars you go through a lot of procedures and takes a lot of time to actually i don't know design something and then see the part of the of the road car um like motorsport is just so quick turnaround um you're working on something one day the next day you can see it build it up then the next day you can think about ways to improve it and you just constantly working and working and working it's yeah did you have family involvement uh no not at all like yeah not not really like i, I know as a kid I just watched races here and there, and actually it was initially was a bit more interested like in motocross and stuff like that, like uh, motorbikes. Uh, but then after I got my engineering degree, sort of I got a uh, bit of experience working around motorsport, and then just fell, love, fell in love with it. So, what was your first job in motorsport? Um, was as a data engineer for a uh, motorbike racing team in Spain.
4: Yeah. So you've left home, gone to Spain for your first race job?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, basically I left home, went to Spain to pursue uh, motorsport um, engineering, let's say a master's. Yeah. And then while I was doing that, I was yeah, starting going to races, talking to some teams and then started working with this team. Uh, doing that engineer for them
4: and you did a fair bit of travel all over spain first and then all over the world
0: uh exactly yeah so initially uh, that was just for the spanish uh, championship motorbike championship it was pretty popular in spain it's pretty big um, then we did some wild car rounds um with the MotoGP gp in the 125 cc's uh, two stroke they used to have back then um, and then while i was doing that i also started doing some formula reno uh, so we did the uh, Western European Championship so we did some races in Spain Portugal uh, France Italy Germany
4: yeah and you would have been working with drivers from all over yeah, Europe as yeah. well so yeah, well,
0: actually my first driver would like in a race car was uh, Brendan Harley and uh, New Zealand so I went with him same as that engineer at, uh, he was racing Formula Renault uh, in Italy that was my first sort of time at the racetrack with a with a Formula car, that was after I did the bikes, and
4: obviously you have to have learnt a number of different languages along the way to communicate with everyone.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm in Spanish. Uh, yeah, well, Spanish and English, and then, actually, most of the things, even Europe, everybody speaks Spanish, English, sorry. Um, so, because you've got, even your crew, so I was from Venezuela, we had people from France, from Italy, from Portugal, and, yeah, it's, just English is the university language for motorsport. So, that was the common language. Yeah, it? that's right, yeah. I mean, I work with an Italian team, and I could sort of get away with Spanish and Italian, uh, but... Uh, most of the time, was yeah, English was the first common language. So what
4: made you decide to try your hand in Australia?
0: Um, well, I've been following the, the championship for quite a while, actually. Um, touring car, like very competitive touring car, I'm racing here. Uh, South America, we've got some touring cars as well. Like most of the racing we do in South America... Uh, It's touring cars. I've always been interested in touring cars. I had it seen in South America. I wanted to try something else, like within the same sort of type of cars, um, and see how you're doing things around here.
4: So was here a way of getting yourself into touring cars, and you just never left, or was it a destination?
0: Uh, More so a destination, yeah. Like, I mean, after doing the touring cars in um, Argentina. well, I was sort of looking for the next tab, and this was it. And yeah, it's been great ever since.
4: How do you make approaches to teams to be able to get a uh, to get a job in Australia?
0: Uh, just well back then was just emailing, phone calling, just knocking doors. And actually, uh, I came here for my honeymoon to Australia with my wife. So while I was here. I tried to get up with a few teams. That's the first time I met Gary. I talked to him over the phone a few times before, um, but that's the first time. Yeah, I came to the workshop, met Gary, and all that, and then moved up from there.
4: And how soon after you met Gary did you think this is a? He's a crazy cat, but he's someone I think I could have a, a working relationship with.
0: Oh, actually, just I mean, before coming here, I already knew how crazy he was just by looking at, yeah, you know, like race uh, broadcasts over there. Um, no, but I mean, actually, when I met him, like, yeah, really nice guy um, to deal with. Um, and then just got feedback from some people around the team that first time I came here. And yeah, like, they seem happy and seem like a good atmosphere to work in.
4: It's a team that does have a, uh, a lot of people who are able to stay a long time. And when you consider the amount of travel you do and the amount of hours you have to put in, that's quite an impressive, uh, impressive thing to have a longevity of people.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's more like a family there. I mean, everybody says the same thing, like everybody who's worked there, but it's, it really is it's like that. I mean, we've got Gary and Barry, like father and son, running the business. And, yeah, I mean, you spend a lot of time with these guys on the road, on the workshop, late nights, travelling. Um, but Gary does have a good eye to, you know, pick good guys to work with. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah, he knows how to make uh, that atmosphere work.
4: You've had some fantastic challenges over the six years. Holden... With a Frenchman, uh, you had young Scott McLaughlin who was in the team trying to develop, then you go to a Volvo and working with the Swiss and having to integrate all that into the team and then going back to a Holden again in very quick time. Some amazing challenges.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, which is, well, have the fun, I guess, uh, but yeah, when you have the whole team working together for that same goal, it does does make it more bearable like it's it's hard work but it's enjoyable
4: what's been the highlight so far
0: oh, i couldn't pinpoint one i mean we've got good results i mean i mean we, with scotty we got you know 10 poles that year we came very strong with the volvo um we had wins um but even like when we switch back to holden getting um, that uh, podium early on the season with garth um and then also yeah this year like it's not just one highlight, but it's, we can see some improvement with um, um, gold in. So, that it's, yeah, there's a lot to take away from it, yeah.
4: And what about this year as we go into the uh, season of endurance and everyone, as you know, says you win Bathurst and that's the equivalent of having a good year in anyone's book?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think we're um, trying to be as prepared as we can. We've got good co-drivers in There was He's been with us before and Richard Muscat as well. Um, so they already know the way we work. We sort of already know what they want from the car as well, so, yeah, we should be, yeah, two strong parents.
4: And, uh, of course, your role this year, how has it developed? Sorry? Sorry? Your job this year, how has it changed over the last uh, 12 months?
0: Oh, well, definitely, like, compared to one year ago, we had, uh, Mo, I was working monthly with a uh, Mo, Um and he was, I mean, quite confident what he wanted from the car, like, he's more experienced than Bibbs obviously, but... Um, so this year is a bit more focused on trying to get, like last year, I mean, Moff, I mean, he could get, like, he knew what he could give to the team, whereas Bibbs is already sort of still building up to it. Um, so, I mean, last year was getting the most out of the car because I knew Moff was there. And it, yeah, I mean, Bibbs is there anyway, but uh, he definitely a little more coming out of him. So it's a bit of a balance in trying to get most out of him while getting most of the car as well
4: when you're in a situation like this with james golding is it does it put more demand on your experience and your knowledge to be able to go trust me this this will work you know let my experience guide you
0: yeah definitely definitely um i mean yeah like it's not not just me like we've got a lot of our experience engineers and even with guard like we're pretty let's say United team like they don't hold anything from each other like if he's got some doubts he'll directly go and ask Garth how do you approach his turn and guy's pretty open about it we shared data we shared all the onboard footage Um, and yeah sometimes yeah if it's not really I mean if it's not really sure about something yeah i just gotta you know pull that car trust me it's gonna be good focus on your thing and um, we'll make it yeah just focus on driving we'll focus on the car and we'll get a good result from it
4: do you ever feel like that guy in the days of thunder when he's just trust me it's a perfectly <laughs> matched set just
0: <laughs> uh yeah i guess sometimes yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah it's part of the challenge i guess yeah and i mean we've got like he's been in the team I mean obviously he's just been driving for us in the main game this year but he's been in the team pretty much since I got it like I started 2013 and I think he started a couple of months after me so just doing his apprenticeship Um, so I got a pretty good relationship with him yeah I think he trusts me, I trust him as well so yeah
4: Well, all the best for Sandown, Bathurst and the Gold Coast, and we look forward to seeing how that progress
0: goes throughout the year. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, we'll just keep pushing, try to get some good results in.
3: After the break, one of the delights of this job is uh, those opportunities to talk to the young, enthusiastic, and those who are on their learning curve. And this year, back in Adelaide, I met the three Kosteckis, uh, an absolute delight, and we were fortunate enough to grab them, uh, in, uh, in their
2: transporter at Sandown. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year
1: in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin
2: tops such as the yeah, outsider cars in Australia is where I see myself.
1: Second crack at the Australian
2: Times since we've been back, and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City, uh, Two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au.
3: Welcome to Inside Supercars, Craig Gravel, Tony Whitlock, and we're with a trio of racing drivers who are performing this weekend at Sandown and have been doing so in this year's Dunlop Super 2 Series. The Kosteki Brothers Racing. Now there is actually two brothers and one cousin, but they don't have it, two brothers and one cousin racing. They just call it Kosteki Brothers Racing. And because they have the same surname, that works. The three brothers are by age order, but not brothers. Brody, who is 21, 21. 21. Kurt, who is 20. Twenty and Jake. I'm eighteen. Eighteen. There we go. So Jake and Kurt are brothers. Brody is a cousin, and they all have been competing. This is the second year for all of them. Uh,
5: yes. It's it's the second year for me, and um, I think Kurt, you're on your yeah,
6: no, yeah, third, third year. Yeah, and is third year, third
5: so. year. Yep. And um,
3: they've been doing terrific things. Brody, in fact, has just won uh, his first race for the team. Yes. That's um, cool. Kurt, earlier this year has had a uh, a pole, a podium at Clipsal. Podium Clipsal, yeah. and Jake is making his way into the top ten. Yeah, it's correct. always somebody yeah. who's got to be making their way, and as the youngest one, that's only fair. Yeah. Uh, look, you're doing a fantastic job. I mean, obviously the team is a very young team because it really only formed in the way it is now. Tell us a bit about it, Kurt.
6: Yeah, well,
7: we started um, a couple years ago actually when Jake was racing the Kumo series. We we bought a car of Triple Eight, and then started running there so we we put all all the nights together at the work um at home really the car was in the shed at home so we just we home being home being perth wa so we worked out of there for a full year a the series and found our feet and then um slowly moved our way into um the development series where jake and i started together first and then this year we've um welcomed Brody into the team so um it's been a bit of an up and down journey but um, I, th- I think it's been good so far. Like today, Brody getting his first win—it I mean, shows the direction the team's going is really good.
3: Yep, um, and obviously the the uh, structure of the team. Um, Jeff Slater, who's been a long time in the category, he's a team manager, chief engineer, mm. and you've had others people helping you as engineer, both you, Brody, and and Jake. Is that right?
5: Yes, I've actually had a few different engineers this year. Um, not by choice or anything like that. It's just really hard to get people to. You know to be available part-time so but you know jeff's the main man he steers the ship in the right direction so um you know having him come on board this year has been you know great for us as a team and i think it's you know really start to show show with our results moving up and yeah and yeah it's all it all seems to be moving forward okay
3: and jake you've had a number of people engineer you
6: yeah i'm pretty much the same as brody I've, I've been working under jeff in there because he's the chief engineer of, of our team so I've been working under him and I've had a few people help me along the way so and now for this round in Sandown I've got Kirby from Matt Stone Racing I think he used to be from so yeah. he's helped me today so i got sixth place in the race so happy with that.
3: Yeah yeah indeed. Um, now your three cars are all X888? Yes yeah. Yep.
5: Um,
3: and so they're, they're all late model cars are they?
5: Yeah they're all cur- like current like current cough cars so um, you know, we've got chassis that span from 2014 till, till you know, ones that are from from 2017. So yep. um, age doesn't really seem to to matter too much. It's just all about workshop preparation, and I think um, you know we've really taken a step forward in the last few months with uh with that with Kirk coming on board and being able to bring you know his experiences for working with Triple Eight and just bringing in some you know some really good structure to our team. So I think that's also you know. Made us be able to move forward, sort of, as a team.
3: Okay. Now, Kurt, you, in fact, worked at Triple Eight until this year. Yeah. Uh, how long were you there?
7: Um, I was there for about two and a half years. So. Okay.
3: So how did that come about? What happened there?
7: Um, when we, it was, it was a bit of a funny story, actually. When we start, when I started, and um, we bought the two cars for KBR from them, and and we booked in with them to do a couple weeks there, and and then take just us to through learn the cars, learn the cars yeah learn their processes and stuff just so we could continue that with them yeah. um and then by the end of the second week they offered me a job so i must have shown something while i was there so i was there for two and a half years learned as much as i could grabbed as much information as i could and then now i've obviously moved back to my own team and trying to make these cars go forward and especially in the last couple of weeks i'd say we've made the the best jumps forward um we had a couple guys leave the team um not for any reason in particular just their own reasons so um, Brody and I have really had to step up recently to try and get so the most out th- of the cars a
3: workshop based in
7: in um, Meadowbrook in Queensland right, so right. Brody and I moved to Queensland to work on the cars and it's um, mainly me him and Andy the three guys that put the cars together so okay. um, to come away with a win in our first race since
6: we're doing that is is pretty cool
3: good good and Jake you're, you're back home based in yes. Perth yeah yeah
6: exactly I'm I'm um, Working for the family business back in Perth, so I'm helping Dad out over there while these two boys are making their
3: hearts out, making your car ready. Yeah, exactly. Okay, the family business
6: being uh, we make wear plate for the mining industry.
3: Okay, back, wh- what back are wear WRA. plates?
6: It's a, a fused alloy liner that goes in a lot of the truck truck bodies and like shoots the iron ore shoots. So this is big mining equipment. Yep. It's right, Okay, and and have you worked in that long? Uh, I've been there for two years now. Okay, and Kurt, did you have you worked in that business?
7: No, I didn't. I didn't do much there because I was um, straight out of school, straight to Triple H. So there was, there wow. was no, wow. no rest time in between. To, okay. but it's I've obviously been around it for long enough because it's what I've known okay. since I've been a little kid. So okay. Now the,
3: the sponsors you have on the cars, um, there are a good number of mining sponsors. I can't see the logos of them all, but um, ArcoPlate
7: now what's ArcoPlate plate? Yeah, arco plate's the um the product that dad manufactures and, and right. the business okay. manufacturers. So then we've also got sprint cutting, which is another laser cutting business which is a, a little a branch off Arco Plate. So okay. um and then I got my sister at home and she she's the boss of Sprint Cutting, so she runs that and makes sure all the money's coming in for us to keep racing, which is pretty cool. So to have her on board it might it looks like Koseki Brothers, but there's a whole family affair, I tell you that. I understand.
5: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kostekis. Kostekis, yeah. Right. <laughs>
4: Now, Brody, where did your racing journey start? How did you get into racing and what tripped it all off?
5: Uh, I think, you know, we actually all started um, in the same parking lot, which is where, you know, the family business is located in Malaga. So, um, yeah, it, it, it all started with a, you know, a go-kart and some cones and it's just spiralled from there, really. So, um, yeah, so, you know, yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, I think having, having racing growing up is, you know, really brought us close together growing up and i think that's something that you know we're all cherish, cherish forever so um you know being able to to do what we do you know i think we're we're really thankful for it and you know our, our family puts in a lot of hard work to you know for us to be at the racetrack week in week out
4: so did it move from informal races around the car park to racing in aka or karting australia um Uh, races then
5: yeah so we actually started you know driving go-karts at the age of four so um as soon as you know we turned seven i'm pretty sure one of us on our birthday actually raced um on a saturday so uh you know we all started at at one there um near barba for tiger kart club so yeah it's kind of just all spiraled from there and you know we've all done you know sort of a different path to to where we are now, but it's, you know we've all met back met back here in the Super Two Series.
4: So, how antsy were you to get that first drive when you're watching brother and cousin already out there mixing it?
5: Yeah, so always watching them
6: from when I was little. Brody was already racing for a few years or two years, so always going on the track to watch Brody and Kurt. And so finally, when I turned seven, I got my own cart. Oh, actually, I think it was Kurt or Brody's old cart, so I had to go on that first. So did that for a bit and then started been successful i guess and
4: then kept moving forward and any titles amongst you all from your wa karting days
6: yeah a few there's a few titles here and
7: there and like zone titles state titles all that so but it's it's pretty they're pretty distant memories at the moment because we just full steam ahead on what we're doing here in supercars
4: so what was the next step then
7: uh for jake and i it was, it was straight into the i was straight into the development series and and jake was in the Coomer series, and, and Brody packed up his bags and went over to America and spent a couple of years there and um, did well over there. And um, but then, as Jake and I and Dad were building what we're doing here, Brody came came back and and
5: now we're all doing it together.
4: So, what were you racing over in the states, or what were you doing there?
5: Um, I was racing sort of the, the equivalent series to 2 Super Two over there. So it was called the NASCAR Cane and Pro Series, which is the you know the main feeder series into the top tier ranks of NASCAR. So um, yeah, got a lot of laps over there. You know. Racing is sort of sort of a lifestyle over there, you know, you race every single week of the year. So um, yeah, I race for three years over there but it probably works out to being eight years of racing <laughs> here. So yeah, it was it was kind of, you know, a real eye opening experience coming back here and not being in the car every single week and only doing eight rounds a year. So yeah, I was very thankful very thankful to to, to have that experience,
4: obviously, people don't understand that oval track racing is every bit as hard, if not harder, than turning left and right.
5: Yeah, it's actually it's quite complicated, um, a lot more complicated than it looks. So you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it, like like, like every form of motorsport. So, um, but at the end of the day, um, there's still a checkered flag at the end. So, yeah, it is what it is.
3: And your father is Stephen. Stephen being Kurt and uh, Jake's father. Your fa- your father is a brother of.
5: Yeah, so my dad is um, Steve's brother, so he's currently located in America, and he works for family business over and there. And his name is Andrew. Andrew, okay. Yeah.
3: Um, given the Jake's just gone. Yeah. Your your long term ambition, it would have. What what is it in motor racing?
7: In motor racing, definitely is to just make to, to the supercar series and then run well there. So, at the moment, it's it's almost more about what's right in front of us, really. So, I think. Um, like, as anyone would say, motor is easy. all you've got to do is win. So we, that's what we're focusing on doing, and then the rest will sort itself
3: out. Okay, now you ran last year as a sub for when Lee Holdsworth crashed in to, in Darwin. You subbed for two meetings, was it?
7: Yeah, two meetings in 2016 um, okay. at QR and Townsville.
3: Right, and you bought your <laughs> own
7: car to that? Yep. Yep, and
3: this year you've done two wildcard events? Two wildcards, yeah. Um, do you find that with each event that you're your know, experience your knowledge, your ability to cope with being amongst 25 other you know or 26 other full-time races it goes up each time do you find that?
7: Yeah I think it does go up each time but it's it's very minimal. I think we get and I get more out of being around the right people so being with Brody and Jake and Jeff in the development series all working together I think I can almost get more out of that than when I was doing it by myself in the wild cards it was just me myself trying to learn as much as i could it's, yeah. it's when you've got more brains working together i think i can take in a
3: lot more okay and Brody, your ambitions
5: yeah you know kurt nailed it right on the head you know we've always um focused on you know rights ahead of us and you know i think winning races in super two is definitely a priority at the moment um and and like kurt sort of brushed on you know the rest will sort itself out but you know we're trying to build up our our team here and maybe one day if it's ready we'll you know move up but that but that time's not now so um yeah okay
3: all right so now um, next round from here is Bathurst yep. which is obviously a giant curve in terms of learning you've done it once before yes yep. you've done it twice all
7: twice
3: Yeah. yeah okay um do you you know i mean there's a track obviously most people say it's a favorite track mm. of drivers around here um, is, is it the same for you? Do you find that the challenge of that place, learning it? And
7: yeah, I think the challenge there is huge, but I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that hasn't driven that track that said it's their favourite track ever. So, right. Um, when you get a lap right around there, it, it feels like nothing else, so I think that's what everyone goes for, and, and um, we're trying to. We're working towards bringing the best cars there. Like we, we rolled out of the truck here this weekend and been pretty good straight away, yep. so um, we've hardly had to touch the car since since we ride out and practice one and that's what we focus to do every round so looking forward to Bathurst looking forward to the new challenge and double points this time so last time we we're there there was no points but this time we're we're good yeah you go
4: to single driver it or are you going to have co-drivers
7: yeah single driver for three So um, i don't think i don't think we know anyone that we trust at the <laughs> moment <laughs> besides each other and we can't have that so yeah,
4: yeah
5: yeah yeah uh and obviously then for Bathurst it's a, it's a big buzz for you to go there again yeah, and you know, I had a great time last year, and you know, kept the car straight and all the doors on it, so got to run all the laps that you know Super Two offered there last year. So hopefully, I can sort of build on top of that, and as Kurt said, double points, and it's going to be really crucial to, for our, you know, f- for our championship. So yeah, we definitely have to be on the top of our game. Okay, now your first win and and the team's first win today, um, that was a big buzz for you. Yeah, it was definitely exciting, um, but you know, um, it was a bit of a, a bummer that Kurt sort of got taken out in the last lap. Otherwise, you know, we all, you know, all three cars would have been in the top ten. So, you know, yep. we still have a bit of work to do for tomorrow. You know, and it's still, you know, the train's still still full steam ahead for tomorrow. So, Okay.
3: Well, it was a very terrific uh, qualifying session this morning because until about a minute 12, a minute 11 or something, you were on top. And you had quite a break. You'd been second for a short time in the start of it. hmm um, and then you were back to third, which is still your best qualifying
5: for the year to date. Is that um, correct? I've actually matched third a couple of times now, oh, so I that, that, oh, that seems to be my number. So. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, yeah, clearly you've got another number, though, yeah. That number yeah. one. So yeah, you've, you added
5: to the poll, which has been good. So yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: Well, it's been fantastic. Unfortunately, Jake slipped out. We'll catch up with him another time. Um, and uh, wish you best of luck tomorrow. Um, with two more races tomorrow, is it?
7: Uh, one, another calling in the morning and another race in... No. Um, just just okay, one more main tomorrow. Race. And then Bathurst is the 250. Yep, 250.
3: Do you actually find that large, uh, longer race a uh, uh, trouble sort of thing? At
7: no. All? no, I don't think, like, obviously I've had a few main series races under my belt, so I don't know really what to expect, but that track... Um, it's not as physically demanding as a lot of the other tracks just because you've got a, a long straight up the hill and you're you long straight a down hill, so you got to get a, you get a good break. But yeah. you go to a track like Townsville when it's 200 k's in the heat, there is, is one of the hardest tracks you can do. Yeah. All right.
3: Well, fantastic. Great to uh, talk to you on Inside Supercars, and we'll look forward to watching the results over the coming months. So thanks, Brody and Kurt, and Jake, who's not here <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Thank, Thank you.
5: Cheers.
3: After the break, final thought. There's Mark Dutton giving us his view on pre-Bathurst
1: prep.
2: Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
1: And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's go Grand Prix and I just remind myself... Of of his part in in starting the the path to
2: safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
1: Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world.
2: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page.
3: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig, your final thought.
4: My final thought is that it's very difficult now to know where the next great supercar driver is coming from. Years ago, you know, if you spoke to the Formula Ford champion, there was a fair chance that he was going to be, in a number of years' time, working through the Dunlop series into the main game. Now, there are so many paths and avenues to make it to the top. Now, we've seen Will Brown, who, of course has uh, in one year almost won three championships two years ago where he uh, had the Toyota 86 championship, he had the um, Formula 4 championship and was within a breath of the Formula Ford championship, um, which, of course, Leanne Tander had gone on to take victory that year. But to, to have two wins in a second in those championships indicated that we're starting to see a few more people going different ways to get to the top. And with the rise and success of um, GT racing, there are also other avenues that say you don't necessarily have to uh, be in supercars to be a professional race driver anymore. So I don't know about you, Tony, but I'm finding it very hard to work out where people are going to come from who were going to take the place of our old guard, if you like.
3: Well, the one great thing we can take from that is, in fact, to see that there are avenues for drivers, once they are recognised, and talking about Will Brown, the fact that Barry Ryan Erebus gave Will that opportunity. Uh, He did a tremendous job at uh, Sandown, as a co-driver with Anton DiBasquale, and obviously Anton set a great benchmark for a young driver and having a young Will in the car with him, it shows up that when
4: young, young people are given the opportunities, boy, they can shine high. Mm, it's going to be interesting to see over the next five to ten years how we, uh, how we develop and how teams invest in young drivers that come up through the series. And I think that's the critical path. Is how the teams are going to do that sort of investment.
3: We have uh, Mark Dutton on the line. Um, he's uh, had a, a week uh, of uh, probably not just celebrating, but also recovering from a, a big, uh, very big sandown. In fact, no one's had a bigger sand down than you. Mate, it, uh,
1: it was, thanks for having me, firstly, but uh, it was a huge sandown, and uh, yeah, everyone in the team was fairly spent after. And it wasn't, uh, unfortunately, it wasn't due to huge celebrations. It was just massive weekend, you know, big night with all the preparation, the lead-up was, uh, was very large and consuming, um, and everyone gave their all, so you, you always do feel a little bit uh, weary after that. So, no, it's been a, it's been a good week uh, since then, and uh, a lot of prep work towards Bathurst,
3: obviously. Yeah, now... How, how much I mean obviously you know it's a 1000k race so it's a double the distance and all those sort of things it's also a more demanding track on the car isn't it yeah the
1: you know the higher speeds uh, could have put a lot more loads on the car and the ZB being uh, new this year means that it'll be seeing some of those or uh, all of those higher speeds for the first time so um, yeah we're wearing yeah, you know, working on all the belts and braces to make sure that we're as prepared as possible and then also uh, prepared if there are any eventualities or any issues we need to need to address. You know, you can never underestimate Bathurst.
3: Uh, I'm not for one second expecting you to fill in pages on my Z B preparation book. But <laughs> <laughs> did anything show up in Sandown that you hadn't seen on previous modules? No, touch
1: wood sand Sandown was, was pretty good, you know? um, it's a very curvy and bumpy track. Um so, you know, you've got to, got to take that into account. Um, yeah, you can see on all the ones on TV, all the models, you know, this split is grinding out and, and, uh, and just the travel you get in front and rear. So you just had to, as we always do, you just had to make sure everything was up for the, for the, the task and, uh, and the, the constant bashing for, for the 500Ks. So, uh, thankfully there was nothing, uh, really unique, uh, that popped out, uh, over the weekend at Sandown on the ZD. It, uh, it went according to plan.
3: Well, you've already been at um, Tail and Bend, which has got fairly high speeds. Um, Sandown obviously helps in that way as well, but, you know, nothing really prepares you for Bathurst. But what preparation now do you need to do? What is, is it stripped down totally back to the, the screws?
1: Pretty much. Like, it's, believe it or not, we do that uh, before basically every every event. Um, but the difference with Bathurst is um, the extra mileage you're doing um, means that it's... Time for a bit of a birthday on some parts. You know, you've got to make sure you're using uh, your lowest mileage part. Um, not no mileage. No mileage generally means uh, not proven. So you'll, uh, you'll everything will have already been run previously. Um, but you just have to make sure that nothing is going to be close to its maximum mileage uh, by the time the, the 1,000 k's clicks over because you, you do a lot more than 1,000 k's with all the practices and qualifying, etc. So you just have to uh, make sure everything is uh, tip top in that regard. Anything we learned regarding you know, ergonomics for the two drivers, we'll, we'll be making those adjustments. Um, and just really giving everything a good birthday, just making sure that um, yeah, every uh, every stone is, uh, is turned over and, and looked under twice, uh, just to make sure nothing can catch us out.
3: Am I right in thinking you did a pad change at Sandown? We did. Yep. Okay. Um, knowing there's a compulsory disc change at Bathurst, did you did that show up anything in the way of uh, of wear patterns at all or anything out of the ordinary?
1: Uh, no, we were, we were quite happy uh, from, from sand down to brakes and, and the, the job the crew did uh, in changing them. Yep. Um, but it is a different process doing just the pads than doing uh, the discs, as you said, yeah. uh, which is compulsory at Bathurst. So uh, uh, that's something we're practising now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that this uh, uh, AP uh, rotor change, it's precautionary more than anything else, isn't
1: it? It is, but, uh, you yeah, know, we, we have seen some failures, not on our cars uh, with these, but uh, with the previous AP discs a couple of years ago at Bathurst, there yes was, there, was, there was some. So uh, while, yes, it's precautionary, you know, uh, it is something that, but uh, I believe supercars as a category has done the right thing by, by enforcing it. So, um, yeah, it, it, is, uh, it does tick and fall under the, uh, the safety column, so you don't take uh, chances on safety items.
3: Okay. Um, now, um, four of your six drivers, or uh, uh, well, five of your six drivers, were well-known and, and uh, done a lot of kilometres with you. And, of course, Earl Bamble was the new boy on the block. He appeared to. I mean, he certainly took the car out in the 11th, I think it was, and came back in the sixth place when he handed it over to Shane. He, he seems to have shone pretty brightly for a, a, very much a rookie.
1: He, he's done an outstanding job. Um, obviously, yeah, without having uh, ever raced uh, a, 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 a supercar before, uh, a lot of people saw that as, uh, as a gamble, but uh, we didn't. Uh, we, we trusted uh, not only our judgment of him, but uh, of, his, of his skill set. Uh, particularly in endurance racing. So, um, but yes, we, we were very impressed. Uh, even though, yeah, that's what you're planning to happen and, and expecting someone of his caliber to, caliber, caliber to, uh, to deliver that. But, uh, it is also, uh, extremely rewarding, uh, when they do deliver and do it, uh, fitting in and gelling so well with the team. We, we put a lot of, uh, emphasis on that. It is a big part of T8 that, Everyone gets along, everyone works together, um, and, and he, he, uh, he fit like an old glove, you would have thought he was uh, driving for us for years and years with just how well he jogged the team.
3: Now, I mean, obviously he brings the credentials of uh, a double Le Mans winner and w- w- Endurance Championship, so he has all those credentials to do the job, but it was it was in a friendship with Shane that actually started back in New Zealand, back you know, 10, 15 years ago, that, that's where the whole thing started, the idea of it started?
1: Uh, I mean, definitely that plays a part, but um, but no, the credentials are the most important thing. Yeah, um, yeah, we do take this extremely seriously. Um, the the our racing business that
3: we. Oh, I'm not suggesting that it's at an old mates weekend. I wasn't suggesting that one second, but the idea of actually getting Earl on board was was that instigated by Shane? Here, have a look at this guy. Um, I can't remember who who proposed Earl to be honest. It was. It
1: just of the, the level of quality, he, he was on the radar, so uh, when when we knew that uh, we needed someone new because of clashes, uh, we, we then you know, looked to, to anyone and everyone out there, and, and he was right up at the top of the list, and then when we we you know, looked into it and, and saw that uh, clashes-wise he was fine to do it, we uh, we got on the phone real smart, so uh, it definitely does does help that uh, they were friends and they knew each other because then you know the type of person you're getting. Um, so for sure, yeah, the fact that Shane and him are, are, were already mates, that, that does help. But uh, It all comes down to, to credentials at the end of the day, but part of, as I said earlier, part of the, what we look for is the, is the personality of the driver because uh, you need them to gel. It's not a nice-to-have for us, it's a have-to-have. Have. So the fact that uh, Shane could vouch for him in that regard and also Jeremy, Moore. And Jeremy Moore. So he's done. You know, he uh, he does a lot of work with, with JJ in with Porsche. Yes. Um, there was that uh, association, with close the loop with that as well, and get some, some feedback uh, from JJ on him. So um, yeah, uh, all everything aligned to to, uh, to get it happening.
3: I, funnily enough, was just looking at the back of my motorhome and saw the comment that JJ wrote back some four or five years ago, and sorry to see you go. wrote. right? Uh, have you spoken to him recently?
1: Uh, not too recently, actually. We, we generally email every now and again to catch up, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things that uh, yeah, we're friends on Facebook with not only him, but his wife, so I, I often find myself falling into the trap that you, uh, you see their updates on Facebook and... And make the mistake of thinking that you've caught up with them when when you haven't. When all you've done is found out what he's doing, yeah. yeah is, exactly.
3: Is he going across to work on the Formula E cars?
1: I'm not too sure to be honest. Yeah, okay. I, I mainly just see the pictures that uh, yeah that they've had a good result, or that, uh, or that Michelle and uh, and them are travelling around. They're, they're really enjoying their time in Europe by the looks of it. So, yep. which he's, which he has said as well. So uh, it's it's awesome to see. Uh someone maximizing the opportunities
3: they've got there, so. and, and, and in the old books of course, another like and motorsport man. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> I uh, I usually read uh, Mark about uh, what a pity you couldn't get the success when you all together. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, is there anything... I mean, this is a number of times now you've run three cars at Bathurst, including the time when it was the anti uh What was it? I can't remember. PlayStation? No, I'm sorry, I can't remember. What, the Xbox car? Yeah, the Xbox car back then. Um, so, the uh, number of times you run three cars, Obviously, the size of your personnel fleet grows. Um, what number do, is it that you actually have under your roof, so to speak, uh, at Bathurst? Yeah, we... we... Almost take the whole team,
1: and uh, we, we've got just under fifty uh, based at uh, at Triple Eight. Right. Um, so we'll take about forty-five. Uh, now they're not all, you know, full-time employees. You know, like Chris yep. Brady, our, our physio, and uh, and Dolph. We take as well so we take extra physio, and so you, you do take a, a few extras like that. Um, matter of extra-
3: somebody who's heavily involved in the series is the idea of increasing the Enduro Cup by the tail and bend event. I mean it's obviously a track that's well suited to running an Enduro whether it be a 3, 4, 500, whatever. Um, Would that idea sort of have some merit because it is a track so well suited to an endurance type event?
1: Of a curb exit curb improvement,
3: right?
1: You can see how much you know, dirt and dust got got well, on that uh, track. So, um, as long as they were, were sort of tuned up a little bit, because uh, the last thing you need is you know, if it was the 500 or the damage here, kilometers, yeah. Uh, yeah, it could get to. Prepared
3: and presented you you'd have to think the Shahins would be open to anything in order to uh, to make a success of it. Um, one of the reasons that I sort of was the idea of actually extending the the, the, the Commonwealth Cup, the Enduro uh, Cup, and the Perth Enduro Cup was um, taking Bathurst then out of the championship. And the reason I the reason I'd, I sort of put that forward is that one of the allures of the early 2000s was the international drivers. Now, obviously, we have a, a clash when you're trying to get three, you know, international drivers three or four events. It gets very difficult. But I sort of figure, I mean, there's so many drivers we hear, hear from constantly, and it can be from the Bern Schneiders all the way to an Andretti sort of thing, saying about how Bathurst is so, such a great track. It seems such a pity that we can't get more internationals there coming and racing in it.
1: Yeah, I I mean, taking it out of uh, being a a championship round, I don't think would help that um, because you still well maybe it would—but it's you still need um, the international guys uh, or girls to do the other the other events. You'd you'd never get one to do just never, but uh, it's not ideal to get one to do just. Uh, just Bathurst because you really want them to cut their teeth on the other ones, get comfortable with the car uh, before they then go to Bathurst to get comfortable with the circuit and the, the difficulties of Bathurst. So you really do need, uh, you know the internationals to do to do the lead-up events, call it, uh, of the Enduros. Yes. Um, just because you know, it's such a big event, you know, as cool as it is, getting some of the internationals there, um, you, you do have. What, what worked in the past, um, and that's how we used to do it, was when we used to be able to pair your main drivers together. Yes. That, yeah. that used to give us the opportunity to bring out some, some, uh, some different international people uh, to put a, yeah, a little bit of flair and flavour in, uh, in the lineup. Um And also what used to happen at the Gold Coast, uh, where you had to run an international.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, was I was sure. think, thinking about that. I mean, it almost seems such a shame when you had that full field of 20, I think there might have been 28 cars in in those days, maybe more, um, a full field of internationals, and it almost was not taking advantage of because, you know, it's not a track that was, you know, using some of those drivers. I mean, there there were some, some, of course, who were way beyond their uh, capabilities anyway, not having done any standing starts and things like that. Yeah. But... yeah, okay. Well it, it it is that thing of course the series has moved so far beyond what it has been in the past that you, know, you can't expect someone to go there without having kilometers uh, at Bathurst. Yeah. Are there are there any other things, tricks that you not tricks as such, but the things you need to do, having you've been going there for, you know, twenty years or close to thereabouts. Um don't remind you, sorry. <laughs> um, but the, the things that, you know, you you have to get right for Bathurst because it is such a, a demanding race and it is so simple to lose it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it's just comes down to preparation. Um, yeah, and without going into specifics, just in case your opposition aren't doing the exact same thing, is is really just being prepared, um, having everyone uh, prepared for the big, the big week ahead. You know, we... We usually get to a track on a Thursday. You're there from a Tuesday. Everything about that is big. Um, so, and it is still the one that, more than any other, by a, a long shot, gives you the, the goosebumps on the starting grid when you when you're there uh, come come Sunday. So, um, you know, you do have to remind everyone that, uh, in a way, you do have to treat it like uh, like every other race, so people don't get caught up in that. Uh, in the, the magnitude and scale of, uh, of the event that it is because it, it is huge. It is impressive. It is one that I tell friends who aren't into motorsport uh, that they still need to go to because it is an event. Um, it's not just a race. It, it is such an event. So part of the preparation is the mental preparation for everyone on the team just to just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah? Do, do your normal job because your normal job uh, has been bringing success. So... Um, we just have to do it over over a longer race distance, but there is a, there is a lot of value in, in just making sure everyone is, is is doing what they normally do.
3: One of the beauties um, of the car of the future is, that I mean, you're running the same chassis and have been running it for the last three years. Um, is that you know that's a given now. I mean, you don't have to worry about the wheel bearings. You don't have to worry. You know, are they up to spec? You're just making sure they're either new or repacked and all all those myriad of things. The, the, because the cars are so well sorted, and okay, you've changed body shape, but essentially, apart from you know the effects of aerodynamics and cooling and things like that, it's largely all so well sorted from one year to the next.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which, um, funnily enough, has made battles more difficult to win, not easier, um, because there's so many more cars racing on the lead lap. Uh, come the end of the race, if you go back, you know, pre-pre uh, car to future and and uh, and even further, you know, ten plus years. Um, you know, it's, if you're in the top, if you're on the lead lap into the, the race, you're at least in the top six. So you are almost guaranteed they could finish just by staying on the lead lap. Um, and you would see some people whose strategy was just that: uh, no matter what, stay on the lead lap, uh, and then and then see where you end up come the end. These days. If you want to be just on the lead lap, yeah, you might be in the top fifteen or eighteen or twenty. Either. Yes. Um, so it has made it more difficult because the cars are so much more reliable. Um, but that's awesome. That's that's what we all strive for. And you, um, yeah, as, as difficult as it is, you want to be one of those uh, those cars come to come the end of the race uh, that is uh, that is in a contention for winning.
3: And that's part of, in fact, your working life in motorsport. Um, is that we, we've moved, because of uh, computers, computer-aid design, the standard of materials you're working with, all those things that cars have become so reliable. I mean, when I worked back in the 70s on race cars, I mean, the standard of the things we were working with wasn't there. Um, it, you know, it's much is so different because it, it's not that you have to fear a component failure, It's you have to fear about somebody, you know, running into you, damage to the fence, another car and those sort of things are the most common way in which cars don't finish.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, you know, way back when you're talking about in the 70s, obviously, they were effectively a road car that would then get modified into being a race car, whereas for quite a while now, they they have been purpose-built race cars. And then, um, you know, with the people like triple eight coming around, um, and, and offering, uh, effectively, a, a service to customers to, you know, the amount of components we sell everyone in the category runs, parts that we manufacture. Uh, and trust me, they don't get the B version and we get the A version. That's not how it works. Everyone, uh, you yeah, know, everyone wants the latest and greatest. So that, um, yeah, triple eight has played a big part in the category, um, to, to bring the level of, uh, of reliability up. um, yeah, and, and, and some other people who have been making cars as well, but, uh, yeah, that has been a driving force, yeah. Uh, you have customer cars like, like Techno who have, uh, built a turn, bought a turnkey car of us and won that.
3: The things that must have been pleasing to you, although obviously the, the most pleasing part of it was having three cars on the podium, but the fact that um, the uh, Erebus and Walkinshaw cars were close by um, clearly that you know they've got a fairly good handle on this ZB.
1: Engineer it correctly. Um, yeah, they can get get the speed out of it. So yeah, very very happy to see them up there. As long as they're not in front of us. Uh, yeah. Then it then it, then it, then it proves it it it, it, uh, it proves the other way. It gives us to the, the kick up the bum to say that uh, you know, the ZB can be up there. So and and we saw that last year at Bathurst when uh, when the VF was up there with Reynolds, we we were using it as the, the benchmark to say. We're not quick enough because there's a, there's a Holden, there's a Holden in front of us. So Any time you see a Holden in front of you, um, for us, it's uh, it's a really good uh, motivator because it shows that you know, clearly you're not doing a good enough job uh, if, if someone else is up there. So you got to work harder.
3: One of the, the good things that certainly uh, came out of Sandown was that uh, I'd, I'd heard talk early in the weekend. And it's not I'm not going to say who was saying it but, you know, talk about parity adjustments and things like that, pre-Bathurst sort of stuff, Um, it would definitely seem that uh, the people who uh, may have been thinking along those lines or may have uh, entertained those thoughts um, are now well and truly looking at their own performance to realise that it was their lack of, not somebody else's strong performance, that uh, is the the situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's what you need to be. I mean, that's... That's one of the, the building blocks for us of how you operate as a team. If you don't look at internally and, and see how you can maximise, you know, the, the Ford and the Missons have, have both been up there all year, specifically the forward, uh, you know dominating qualifying by, by a long way. And um, you know, you've never heard us come out once and say there, there must be a parity issue or any other issue. That was that. They keep getting, oh, all we said is to ourselves, hey, we need to work harder. Um, and, and that's what we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good if people are starting to just um, focus on, on, uh, on their own job. And uh, you always have to look at what your opposition is doing. Clearly, you need to respect them, and we respect uh, everyone we race against. So, um, but at the same time, we, we just look internally and say, now, I, and I said it at the start of the year when when we weren't, uh, or more so in the middle of the year, when we weren't having as much success as, as we wanted in what we've done now. I said, if our team does the job that I know we're capable of doing, uh, we should be winning and, and tough to beat, and and, um, and we improve the job we were doing and, and the results.
3: Well, we certainly look forward to uh, watching. I'm going to be watching from afar. I've... Uh, I've done enough 25, 26 or whatever it was. My first Bathurst was in 71, so I feel I've been to the mountain enough times. But uh, we'll certainly look forward to watching it. Um, and possibly uh, during that weekend, if I could grab you for a couple of minutes on the phone, um, I'll certainly arrange uh, through Jess. Yeah, no drama. Um, That would be fantastic. Congratulations very much on uh, the success you've had this year. I mean, Obviously, uh, having your three cars in the top five or top four, in fact, I think, um, is a tremendous indictment on the uh, great speed that you've got out of all of them. And uh, enjoy your time and s- some more frequent fly- family miles. Thank you. hope so. Wonderful. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Well, that's it for another week of Inside Supercars. Plenty of uh, good listening there. We hope you enjoy it. Please let us know uh, things that you want that we're not giving you. By all means, just send us an email. So thank you very much from Tony Whitlock. And it's good
4: night from him.
2: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.